0: Greetings, dear friends. We are happy to meet everyone on Alatra TV India. And what are the benefits, what benefits can bring the creative society for business sphere? How can change conditions in the sphere? And what is the role of unity between people? We continue the series of creative enterprise to find out about the creative society from the perspective of entrepreneurs. And Creative Society as a unique global international project initiated by people for people. And the goal of the project is to build a creative society free from consumeristic mindsets, society where human life is the highest value. And for our viewers who want to find more about the project, please visit our website, alatraunites.com. Also, I would like to introduce my co host today. Uh, Ms. Kusum Kanwar, founder of ADAP Skill, president of VE ISM, SIM SME, Maharashtra State, Global Ambassador. She is also a National Core Committee member for Association for Primary Education and Research. And Ms. Kanwar also initiated this series of broadcasts, Creative Enterprise. So greetings and happy to see you today.
1: Thank you. And namaste. Thank you so much, Anya. My pleasure to co-host the Creative Enterprise broadcast with you. So friends, for Anya, the most important part for her is to being a proud Alata Unites volunteer, spreading the eight foundations of the Creative Society. My huge gratitude to all Creative Society volunteers for the commitment for humanity. It is very inspiring to see the massive volunteer work done by all volunteers across the world in more than 180 countries. Alina, Olga, Anna, Anya, Tatiana and the technical support team for always bringing the world closer and making it such a joyous creative society that we all can build together. I'm truly privileged and grateful to be a part of the creative society project. In sync with CIM SME, that's Confederation of Indian Micro and Small Medium Enterprises, we bring together this broadcast as like-minded partners with the Creative Society Working for Humanity for Creative Enterprises and Business Section, and GCPIT, that's Global Council Promoting International Trade. And I'm a privileged Global Ambassador, which is a flagship initiative by CIM, SME, and GCPIT. We have a strong belief in the mission articulated by our Founder and Director, Santosh Kanish, who is to empower collaborate, innovate, and stand together as true human beings and not miss the human touch. Thank you. And today, it is a huge honor for me to introduce our esteemed guest, Dr. Lakshmi Kumar. Dr. Lakshmi Kumar is the founder, director, Orchids School Pune. The Orchids, right? The Orchids School. Yes, the Orchids School Pune. Dr. Lakshmi Kumar is a well-known educationist and intercultural coach. Her expertise spans from establishing quality schools, building teams, developing educational processes, and initiating best practices for both school and for higher education. She strives to align school systems with today's generation of learners, specializes in integrated interdisciplinary curriculum, inclusive education, and life skill education for young adults training them for media literacy, critical thinking, and decision-making process. So close to my heart as well. It's so wonderful. Dr. Kumar specializes in training culture workers, mainly from Sweden, for the last 25 years. So, so interesting. Training teachers, social workers, lawyers, nurses, to work with multicultural communities. She heads courses for social work programs at the undergraduate level on Role of Culture in International Social Work, Ethnicity and Migration, and Transcultural Sensitivity for Global Social Work, a certified cross-cultural training coach for CARTIS, Global Excellence, Global Bond, and Language Culture Worldwide. And who does not love a good drought? Well, Dr. Lakshmi Kumar draws her inspiration from the book by P. Sainath's Everybody Loves a Good Drought. And stories from India's poorest districts where Sainath captures the real India from ground reality and people's voice. And Mark Tully's No Full Stops in India, a culture kaleidoscope from an insider and an outsider lens. Welcome to our broadcast, Dr. Lakshmi Kumar. So happy to have you here. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Kusum. Thank you, Anya. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Lakshmi Kumar. Thank you for joining us today. And I just would like to ask, there there was a wonderful introduction, and uh, I just would like to ask, what motivated you? Why did you choose the educational sphere? And as we know, you're also an entrepreneur. So could you please share why you choose educational sphere and what motivated you to become an entrepreneur as well?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh- Just to give you a context, I began as a mental health specialist. I was attached to a child guidance clinic uh, in a hospital and I would keep going to schools to address the uh, children who had problems. I'm talking about the mid eighties and a lot of schools would shut the door on my face saying that the problem is not with the school system, it's with the families. And the families would say, but the schools are not very empathic and understanding and supportive for children who are going through some difficult phases. So I was kind of getting tossed between the two systems. And I felt that if I really want to make a difference to children and children's lives, I must start from school system. I felt that schools and education are the hope and future. So if I want to really impact I must go where they are. So that's how I actually quit my job from the hospital. And uh, I went to the school. When I went across the school, uh, you know, in mid 80s, you can imagine, I was told that, you know, well, we don't have a counselor's position uh, because we are not a school for special needs. But we have an opening for being a librarian so i said okay give me whatever i just need that small little entry to enter children's lives and to be part of the system and i felt that if i really want to make changes i need to be part of the system and i need to impact and that's how i joined education world
1: exceptional exceptional dr lakshmi you know your school exudes uh... Whenever I see it, you know, a loving and nurturing environment with an exceptional education program as well. And every child, you and I believe and know, and Anya also, that every child deserves a safe, a happy, and enriching childhood. Enriched classrooms, equipped, and empowered teachers and parents. So human brain, like we all know, being in the in the education sphere is a chaotic jungle of neurons getting wired together every day. So those experiences are, are so important. So we need a nurturing, uh, you know, a complete ecosystem. And you've got such a brilliant one. Thank you. And being an entrepreneur, you give so much attention to quality, uh, you know, in education. So as we know, you do different activities to make people, you know, find commonalities and cohesions between uh, us through education. So in the way your school uh, brings in joy, joy in a toy workshop, how you drive special needs, how you celebrate every staff member. AI and coding webinars, you know, your intercultural work or even your different journey. So it's so special and you create these significant cohesions. So in your opinion, what unites all people in the world, regardless of nationality, any positions and affiliations? And why is it so important to find what is common for all of us?
2: Uh, You know... I, in my work with people, because my profession has been with the uh, very, very people centric uh, two things that I have felt that are most significant that kind of unites uh, all of us, irrespective of our background and our context uh, or culture or race that we come from one is the, the purpose purpose of my life you know that have I figured it out and all of us all living beings have a purpose and a space in this interconnected world and nobody is here without any purpose so whether we can identify that purpose with some call it a goal some call it some kind of a direction and the second most and most significant is very closely associated with this purpose is that whether we can bring dignity to every living being. And if these two are being figured out, I think we feel quite centered and quite uh, grounded in our existence. And oftentimes I see in my work across cultures that uh, the the sense of alienation, the sense of purposelessness, or the sense of what you call the rolelessness, the sense of being uprooted is the worst thing that can happen to the human being. So as educators, as uh, you know, workers who work with people, I think if we can help and we can really source out this sense of purpose and uh, restore the sense of dignity, uh, which involves a whole lot of surrendering and non-judgmental attitude to being inclusive, but that's, you know, that comes uh, as part of the principles of creating a sense of purpose and dignity.
1: So true, so so beautifully put and, you know, that sense of purpose and the dignity and, you know, it's the role of education, especially in schooling years that's so significant in, you know, in development of this human capital, uh, this formation. Uh, which is so critical, so an educated society, uh, you know, which starts from school, facilitates better development programs, it contributes towards the growth of people and development of society and mindsets as a whole, so it is just about the switch and that mindset change. So we need that kind of an education system that promotes human values that you are talking about, morals, we are talking about upbringing, love, respect, you know, and that dignity, and, and we need an education system that increases our society's cultural richness too, that to that which you bring. So how do you envision, you know, that creative society where every person lives comfortably and feels secure? You know, where everything is directed towards improving the quality of human life and where we feel, all feel that humanity is one big family. I draw a lot of uh,
2: inspiration from Peter Senge's uh, principles of, you know, the the most important elements of system thinking. Uh, Because, you know, running an enterprise or an organization is uh, not a one person's job and thank God for that. Because when you have diverse and collective vision or a shared vision of diverse community, It's that much colorful and meaningful for everyone. Uh, The most important thing for me, the beginning of all this is to have a kind of a shared vision. Uh, Also when I uh, was working as a mental health specialist, as I mentioned about it, I felt that schools can make or break a child. You know, schools can either create a most cohesive, safe environment and organization climate or it can build a lot of neurosis in children. And uh, that choice is entirely left to us, you know. And uh, having said that, that vision needs to be translated in uh, what I would call the significant four Ps, the peoples, you know, who are at the center of all of it, the peoples as the first P. The second one is the processes. That we make processes which are so child-centric or student-centric and that it is the student who is at the center of it all. Policies that are really uh, more modern and more contemporary and more for convenience of safety and security of our children. And then you weave around the program that actually accelerate uh, our policies of whether it is about inclusion whether it is about child centric program whether it is about valuing every student or every adult and this needs to be demonstrated in uh, in our environment you know and uh, you know i I've, I've seen very very old times you know the the schools uh, will have lots of blackboards and a lot of drawings and paintings And I visited this very, very rural school in the 80s. And I remember, uh, you know, the visionary's words, he said, the walls must speak. The walls must speak what the ethos of the organizations and people must experience the ethos of the organization and our programs must reflect the ethos of the organizations. And our policies must, must facilitate and not become an impediment in the ethos of the organization. Yeah,
0: it's really like that. And thank you so much for sharing how important is it, how we use, as you're saying, education can really upbring and give wings to a child or it can uh, go in another, another way. So it's so important when we understand that and when we actually give our efforts for the best. And um, you
2: know, just to, you know, for us to remember that, uh, you know, especially in the Indian context, we have been invested with enormous power, you know, and, uh, you know, as uh, traditionally Guru-Sishya connection, school-home relationship, you know, leader-parent connect, and, you know, teacher-child connect, there is an enormous power, you know, and that we have been so much the sage on the stage, and this power can be utilized to create or to control. And uh, I think we have, we have done a lot of damage in the earlier years with this kind of control mechanism of you know, uh, how we run our school systems. But we have now an opportunity to relook at this to the one seat to another seat to create, to, you know, to control, to
0: create. Yeah, that's really wonderful, to create conditions where actually children can grow. And mm-hmm. um, Thank you so much for that. It's very important understanding, in fact. And also, as we're talking about creative society, uh, accordingly to what people were voicing, uh, people from more than 180 countries were framed the eight foundations of the creative society. And now we would like to watch a short video about how these foundations were made.
3: This Creative Society project was born by the initiative of the people themselves, after we carried out many social surveys, interviews, conferences, and, well, we talked to many people really all over the world. These eight foundations of the creative society is the result of the desire, the demand of the people themselves, because they talk about it, they tell us how they want to live, where, in what world, in what kind of society they want to live, what values are the most important for them. And after analyzing everything, we understand that, yes, there are these eight foundations that now we can share with everybody. It is a complex of values of each person in this world.
0: Dr. Kumar, as we know, you read the article about foundations and stages for building the creative society. Could you please share your vision, your opinion about them? And in your opinion, implementation of these foundations, will they really create these conditions, not only for children, but actually for all people in the world to feel comfortable, to feel safe and live a fulfilled life?
2: Um, You know, when I went through the eight foundations, It almost felt like uh, these are the pillars of any organizations that we must build our dreams on. And that organization, it could be the institution of family, to schools, a secondary socializing agency, to the community, you can name it. You know, if I were to just, you know, start with the idea of the, you know, the, the fourth principle of transparency and openness uh, of information for all. I'm just thinking that, you know, that uh, if organizations are not built on the mutual trust and sense of security, uh, we kind of want to keep it hidden. Whereas what we uh, need to propagate is that you have a right to copy You know, and there is no copyright on any of the ideologies, because if you take ideologies and you take inspiration from one organization to another, you're making a better world, you're making wherever you go, you're taking that one small element of positive energy and making a better world and how wonderful it is to think of, uh, you know, that even if you're not part of it, you're still part of the larger ecosystem. And if you look at the Orchid School, uh, or for that matter, any enterprise that, you know, you want to be part of where it is, uh, you know, especially a school system is very human resource rich organization. What's our big capital? It's not just the building and the swimming pools and the playgrounds and air conditioned classroom. It's the quality of people. It's a quality of value of human lives that are in it. And this is not just the leaders and the teachers and the students. It's also the support staff and the security and every uh, you know, member of the community and you know, valuing their life and demonstrating, as I talked about, you know, acknowledging the purpose and also you know, uh, expressing or restoring their dignity is something that uh, you know, we need to very clearly showcase it to students. Let me give you one simple example. You know, we go for an annual retreat to one of the very, very beautiful community place called Asia Plateau. You know, every year, every year, we 110 of us, you know, no hierarchy. All of us go because we want to talk about institutional building vision, but in that what's my individual role and goal because if people don't connect themselves to the larger organization and they don't see that connect i know people don't really uh, contribute to the building of this so when we go there you know we have to share our rooms and uh, it's very natural then to you know kind of cluster together as you know my friend my colleague my Domain or my you know uh, fellow artists. you know, so we have actually devised a system whereby except for the gender divide, divide because you can't really share rooms there like that, we literally take a lock key. And I remember uh, one of the years I had uh, Mao who is our support staff. She was allotted my room as a room, uh, you know, partner. That evening, she sat down and cried for half an hour, you know, she was so overwhelmed. She was so touched and she was equally scared that she has to share a room with the director. And, you know, I had to actually sit down to talk about and reveal my human face first and not my director title. And I realized that how much our societies are so title-centric, so power-centric, that we miss out the human connect and human context. And, uh, you know, that night, of course, she wanted to go and chat with her friends because it was nice party time. And she said, are you okay or would you also like to join? And I felt that the shift in, you know, being so scared to stay with me to include me in her evening you know late evening because for them they have never come out of homes like this you know families would never allow them to stay night out to now you know when they are there they want to get the maximum out of it and have fun the whole night and there she was inviting me so i think we need to in the crux of all our relationships
1: are at the core of being a human being Sure, absolutely. How beautifully put, you know, it's trust, transparency, dignity, relationships, everything has come, um, you know, in this. So from a broad sense, if I would say, you know, the creative society should be understood as an experience as you have it at ETST. And every year, I think I'm going this year for, you know, to for the retreat and to ETST. it doesn't happen. But I think now I have a reason. So I'm going to meet you there. So I'll, I'm definitely going to come the next time it's open. So uh, you know, it is in the name of the modern society, which is not uh, n- you know not limited only to one attribute. So th- there are so many things uh, around this. So uh, as being created, uh, but highlighting creativity as a state of mind of the society that that affects all the other elements. You know, in the in the society. So we forget that creativity and dignity and relationships. These are so important aspects of uh, you know. Uh, a society a developing a society or, a, you know, a creative society. So when we are talking about any business or any enterprise, first of all, it is about people. Like you have talked about the, the piece and it is all about people and the programs and the processes. So who work there. So in a creative society, everything is directed towards improving the quality of human life. So how important is the human touch in any business or enterprise? and what benefits it brings of course you you know i'm i'm aware that you've already spoken about the human touch you know at ets if you have you know there is another example we would love to hear you know about it and the benefits of course you you got to get a you know have a party and enjoy a party with all the mouseies there and so that was the, one of the benefits so if you would just like to touch upon that as well um, i think
2: uh, you know I often use, uh, share this uh, story, which is so well known for educators. Uh, So in order, you know, schools can get so mundane, so routine, so 8.30 to 4, very structured. And, you know, everything is compartmentalized and everything is, you know, Monday to Friday and maybe some Saturdays working day and that it's all so, you know, dictated from the board that we can get so caught in this, uh, you know, uh, very comfort zone of, uh, you know, the flow as we call it. So, you know, if we want to really break this, first of all, we as uh, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and educators, we must master ourselves in what I call the crap detectors, you know, Uh, very well-known, you know, educationist, uh, Neil Postman talks about it, you know, that we need to become crap detectors. And there's a whole lot of crap that we need to weed out. And uh, what better way than to give that little, you know, uh, what do you call the enlarging lens to each of us each of our community members and say, okay, find out one crap that we probably never required, you know. So you're giving the ownership to everyone and you're not saying that now I'm standing here and giving. And I give this story to them, you know, I'm sure you have heard this story Uh, for our international community. Any number of times, I would love to repeat it. This is the very famous story of a saint and his cat, you know. Uh, the saint was, you know, very God-loving, very ritualistic. Every day he would go to the temple and uh, offer his prayers and there will be a lot of goodies offered to the God and uh, he had a cat which was very naughty, which was constantly eyeing all those sweets that were kept in front of the God and it will keep disturbing him. So just wanted to have a very peaceful flow between him and the god, he would tie the cat on a tree nearby and he will do his prayers. And that became a routine. And after some time, the cat died. So, you know, sorry, uh, the the, the sadhu, the saint died. So his assistant or his apprentice, uh, you know, he started doing the same rituals. So every morning he will look, you know, get the cat and tie it around the tree and he will start the rituals. And after some time the cat died and then the apprentice got really panicky. So every morning he will go into the village streets, run around and look for the cat, bring it and tie it on the tree and then start the rituals. Not realizing that You know, the cat getting tied was a convenient solution for a problem, but it became some kind of a prescription for the routines. And we have in all our business processes, one million such things that we really have not questioned as to why we do. So I think the most powerful tool that I give it to my team members is why we do what we do. You won't believe it just before the lockdown we listed down 100 things we do in school, and we asked teachers to pick up a topic and they had to write a template and make a video why we do what we do, you know? And then we uh, suddenly, they realized, oh, I didn't know I was told by someone to do this or, or by CBSC, or it was always there, you know, for example, why do we need to have a school student community leaders? And someone said, but you know, that's part of an ecosystem and the culture of the organization. I said, let's relook at the purpose. And that's the most important role of community in any business enterprise is. Let's revisit the purpose. Let's revisit the objectives. Let's understand why am I asked to do this and let me own it. And then you see the quality and then you know that there are many cats that we need to let go in the system. Yes, that's
0: true. Yeah. Just That's like to true.
1: add in here, yeah, Anya, I just, uh, just wanted to add that, you know, I'm aware that how uh, uh, Dr. Kumar's school, that where she creates everything around human touch in her work, in her space, oh, so in you know her everyday work. And, and, you know, everything turns into a celebration as well. So there's so much of fun to be in such a vibrant environment. So let me tell you, during just when we started the lockdown, uh, Dr. Kumar was the first person uh, to get in touch with me. Uh, you know to do this uh, uh, the science behind clothing so it was something which uh, I think uh, this uh, I think this was your second school that I did something like that you know just talking about the science behind clothing and not everyone's open to such things of course but after I that, felt, it,
2: you know I felt yeah. Kusum your your offering was about building self-respect you know, I wear beautiful clothes I don't have to wear expensive branded clothes you know I have to feel very good at what I'm wearing and I really have to present myself I use I, energy I use positive uh, you know I actually spread that positive energy and it comes from a tremendous sense of self-worth and self-respect Absolutely. and
1: starting with you love yourself you love others Yes, true. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, that, that's the kind of vibes that I just wanted to share this because we are on the same platform.
0: Over to you, Anya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's really wonderful. And as you are talking, it's very interesting why we do what we do. It's really sometimes this question becoming eye-opening for us. Sometimes we are getting so much into this routine that maybe something is not that much important. It, it can simply make our life easier. So, yeah, thank you I so much.
2: Anya, you know, your eighth principle of self-governing society is about taking charge and being a master of your action and being responsible for your action and knowing that, you know, you have not done it because somebody has told you, knowing that you have done it because, you know, there is a purpose behind it. I think that's how you build self-governing societies. And that, that's how you also build self-sustaining societies. You know, leaders don't last forever, but principles must last be beyond our departures. And I think that's where uh, you know, I feel that give the ownership to the team.
0: Yeah, that's really true. And that's that's really important that every person understand. And actually, when we understand, here is so interesting fact, when we understand what we really want, uh, we stop fighting with someone who does not want that. We just stand up and do that. Mm-hmm. And it's really energy saving and it's really, you are getting purpose and it's always motivating you. And it's really wonderful. So uh, actually I also would like to ask a question about how important to understand clearly the goal as you're working in a team, uh, you have people for whom you are creating the working conditions and this atmosphere. Uh, you actually already a little highlighted that it's important that every person feel involved. Every person feel as a part of something bigger. Uh, in your opinion, when all people understand clearly what is our common goal, how are we changing relationship between people?
2: I think, uh, you know, the, the one of the purpose, as I mentioned, of, let's say, going for a retreat or we have many, many such, uh, you know, uh, being together. What I see is that there is an organization goal and there is a personal goal. And uh, as uh, enterprise, we need to help people align with that. If they are contradicting, that if I'm here largely mainly for uh, my personal growth, but I don't realize that in that organization growth and vice versa, we affect and affect each other. I think people then you know, uh, leave quite quickly because we also want... Uh, people to stay on and contribute, you know, one of the most important challenges of any organization and so our school system is retention. So I think you need to help people align the personal goal with the organization goal. And often organization goal in Indian context gets so limited to the scores in the national exams. And I feel that we need to redefine that goal the goal of how do we create creative students who would genuinely solve problems for human life. Because, and that's a very lofty goal. Because, you know, and it's not even measurable. And it is going to be achieved much after the student has gone out, much after I am gone. So a lot of time, you know, this whole exam is a very immediate uh, kind of, uh, gratification, you know, I taught you this lesson and now I'm going to test you. Oh, all of you have got 10 upon 10. So I'm a great teacher, you know, so I've got immediate gratification of feedback. Whereas I'm saying that I have taught you this lesson, but I've also taught you the purpose of how this is, you know, concept is going to affect the human life and how you can contribute to it in your adult life. And I won't be around to see that outcome, but I'm fine with that. I think leaders and teachers need to understand that the outcome will be much beyond, much after my lifetime. And if we can accept this, I think we would work also towards a goal very selflessly and not in a very time frame. you know, that my grade fifth grade is here with me only for nine months because children are in a school on a continuum. They are in their life journey. So we need to look beyond that one year for my goal. So I think again, a lot of dialogue and also a lot of unlearning and new learning for us to restructure the way we run organizations. Because a lot of time, everything is so time-bound that we think that even goal is to be achieved and closed with award rewards done and it's over.
0: But life actually begins much after that. Yeah. That's really, that's very true, and um, here's this importance of bigger goal, right? The purpose, the something bigger, and I just thought like if students would have also this bigger goal, it's more motivation for them, it's more perspectives, and I think then a the question about marks and exams, that would be something not so great, that they would be doing it easier because they would be passionate about simply achieving something greater, yeah.
2: so. And I'm not undermining the importance of marks, I'm realistic. But I'm also saying that uh, marks don't define you, you know, and after 10 years, nobody is going to ask you what marks you scored in your uh, national exams or what brand of clothes did you wear or how many medals you had. People are going to assess you because of your quality of life and your quality of human life you know it's not about how many cars and how many you know apartments and which area and all those materialistic uh, judgment but genuinely about the the human interaction that your ability to inspire and touch people so there is a bigger goal of education is to genuinely create good human beings oh my god we desperately need that for our society we need good people
3: serious we
2: don't need great uh, you know uh, scorers or great achievers you know but uh, what we need is all this need to be translated into building communities that are safe and that we actually can live coexist together Mm -hmm. and it's ever so you know many times we tell our young people you know that uh, I'm sorry we have messed up the world and now you have to clear up We're not the great role models for them, unfortunately, you know, we don't even have the moral authority to tell them how you must behave. Perhaps we need to start listening to
0: them. They might come up with uh, some solutions. Thank you so much for sharing. And it's important to communicate because they can share some ideas. Uh, Teachers have experience and combining all of this really can bring great role models and building this better society where really human are raised. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the same time, when we are talking about importance of every person, as we know in current format of the society, uh, very often the value of human life is underestimated. And in your opinion, what conditions should be created so that every person could feel and understand their own value because the human is the fundamental unit of the society. And when you value your own life, you value life of people around you. So what conditions do you think are important for that?
2: I think uh, the most important condition is the platform for dialogue and listening. We're not listening to each other. And I see this in my intercultural work, you know, We are so quick to, you know, uh, summarize and assume and judge other cultures. And we can so quickly categorize. And uh, from a very, very limited point of view, we often decide that which culture is good and which culture is bad. And it's all about me and my world is the best, you know. So I feel that uh, our young people, our uh, business leaders need to dialogue But more importantly, listen, listen and listen.
1: Yes. So wonderful. So thank you. So in a creative society, uh, you know, what we are saying is, you know, every person needs to be aware of their own responsibilities and their own importance as well as a member to give and receive, you know, correct things, whether it's information and we need a, a free and equal society. So where there are no wars, no conflicts, no hierarchy, no violence, no starving teacher and everyone gets to live comfortably, providing us and our children full protection. Uh, So Dr. Uh, Lakshmi, is it necessary to change the format of a society to a creative one and why?
2: I mean, if I were to say that there is no need to change, I think I shouldn't be in the field of education. You know, so there is a desperate and an intense need to change the way that we uh, have even structured the society, whether it is the relationship in the global geopolitical context or in the way that the north and south are, or just the way that right now we are distributing the vaccination, you know, just look at it. It's extremely power centric. It's extremely economic power centric, and it is not even equity and equality justice based. So there is an absolute desperate need. The question is that where will it begin and who will build the cat is the very very big question and I think uh, you know if I were to look at what can I do you know I can sit down and uh, talk about how things are terrible and how I can't do anything then I feel completely helpless and powerless but what can I do in this whole ecosystem of what changes I can bring Uh, You know, is that, uh, yes, there is every system, every business organization, every entity, enterprise does have hierarchy, but hierarchy is for a functionality. You know, the titles are for functions There, you know, to have a smooth organizational operational reasons. But we take these titles far too seriously and that we use our power to oppress voices so again as i said that use the power constructively to liberate so that people have the opportunity to express fearlessly and freely so you know if we were to really look at what is the most important thing you know i would love to have a magic wand but unfortunately i don't but i do have the magic and a power of influence power of influence and inspiration of working with young minds And to showcase the possibilities that they can. And also, we need to, you know, one of the things, again, you know, I see it in the intercultural work is that somewhere we are too sophisticated to talk about hard topics. We are too afraid to talk about the real oppression and the real, you know, exploitation that's in the world. We are too afraid to confront realities because we all want to be popular leaders. So I think we need to, you know, undo these patterns and we need to uh, re-energize our conversations uh, with some kind of an authenticity, some kind of, uh, you know, honesty within that. If I want really the change, you know, Gandhiji had said, it has to start from you, you know, don't wait for the world to change, you know. Just, you know, be the chain that you want to see in others. If you don't want to be exploited, don't exploit. If you don't want to be discriminated, don't discriminate. If you want to be respected, start with respecting others.
1: Fantastic. So, you know, we we humans actually have the capacity to solve all the difficulties, uh, you know, of the world. And more so, you know, as teachers in schools so rightly uh, said, you know, so through our humanitarian measures, uh, whatever little that we can, you know, we need to take that first step, the path to growth and prosperity in a society is through peace and harmony only, no doubt about it. It is hard to achieve, you know, any political strength, economic stability or cultural growth without peace and harmony. And uh, that's a beautiful example of, of how we are actually monitoring and how we are, you know, operating our, our vaccinations as well. And that can happen, you know, if we have that little bit of love, peace and compassion, it can happen. Thank you so much. So beautiful words. Anya. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just, you know, since you talked about
2: peace and conflict and I feel that, you know, for some reason, uh, you know, we think of peace is absence of war. You know, mm-hmm. whereas peace is genuinely not just about absence of conflict, but about cohesive coexistence, you know, mm-hmm. until we uh, achieve that, there is always this simmering feeling of anytime time it can erupt, you know, whether it is about, like I said, the conflicts in mm-hmm. geopolitics right now. Right, right,
1: right, you know?
0: yeah. yeah, it can just happen, yeah, mm-hmm. true. And in fact, when we, as you were saying, when we create these conditions and giving freedom to every person, freedom to be a human and to really develop these best qualities, best talents and values, then I think that is the very great step for the peace. because when each one of us is giving space for another person, ready to listen, ready to support and together to move. so. It's really something wonderful, and I think it's really making this uh, great relationships between people, really human relationships between people. So, you know, uh, <clears throat> Anya, when you use the
2: word, you know, that word freedom, you know, sometimes, uh, I, you know, my school community members, uh, you know, when we ask them why do you like to be part of it, they say we get a lot of freedom, you know, to be creative and to be ourselves. Uh, It's so ironic that I thought education is all about advocating freedom and not distributing freedom. You know, when I say that I give freedom, I feel like as if I'm a sole agent who is going to distribute freedom. Freedom is there. But as a leader, can I facilitate that? You know, can I make sure that, that it is being used and that we can facilitate that sense of freedom? So I think this whole semantics of giving freedom versus facilitating the idea of, you know, the possibilities of experiencing freedom.
0: Yeah, creating these conditions. Thank you so much. And as we're talking about creative society and we are testing this theory of six handshakes. Which says that all people in the world are connected through five or even less social connections. Uh, whom you would like to invite as the guest for the next broadcast and to hear his or her vision of the creative society? <clears throat> I can think of uh, probably a couple of
2: students from my community, uh, because young people's voice matters a lot, and their ideas of creating a society—you know—they are the present and they are the future. So I think of a couple of my student leaders who are absolutely amazing in articulating, and they are visionaries. Uh, I can think of perhaps uh, fellow colleagues of mine, a couple of them. So you could even have a wonderful panel discussion.
1: (laughs) I think, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So uh, when we are talking about, uh, you know, the, the uh, with 30 of six handshakes uh, that was a rule in itself is as clear as crystal that is formulated you know, about in the first half of 20th century and, and is, is working so well now. So the key idea is that you can connect to literally anyone in the whole globe through these six global connections and we can together make so many connections and with you, who specializes in training cultures, workers, mainly from Sweden. For the last 25 years, training teachers, social workers, lawyers, your nurses to work with multicultural communities across borders. How rich, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the, the students' experiences and, you know, the colleagues that you're talking about, their experiences would be. Wow, it's wonderful. So to conclude, Dr. Lakshmi Kumar, what would you like to wish to our viewers? So all the audience that is, uh, you know, hearing you today, what, and, you know, something briefly, if you can tell us.
2: I would say just keep up the good work. Uh, I think you're stoking the fire of hope, you know, because you put on the television, you open the newspaper, you see the social media, it's all about doom story. And it is such a relief and a fresh breath of air to hear you doing this or bringing the possibilities. We need to hear the uh, inspiring success stories. We need to hear the need for change. So just keep up your wonderful work and uh, you know, expand the circle of your influence, you know, just one person at a time. I mean, I've fallen in love with your creative society concept so just do that expand the circle of influence
1: that's all Brilliant. thank you so much thank you for being with us today and for these enriching conversations dr lakshmi kumar we can just go on hearing you uh thank, thank you so much you. to you and all to and to all our audiences too we can build like dr lakshmi kumar says a creative society that has the power to envision creative enterprises and businesses, and why not? And that can be done with honesty, with decency, you know, with Um, commonalities and cohesion as Dr. Lakshmi Kumar is constantly finding business on principles of humanity, business with the human face that she has. Let us build a creative society audiences that nurtures, that develops children with care, subsequently taking it to our communities and societies. You being active participants in a lifelong creative journey of learning for children. When more edupreners like Dr. Lakshmi Kumar are here, you recognize the importance and significance of setting up such schools. That is when we will sow the seeds of creative society. Humanity is a one big family, where each one of us, you know, cares for human life human freedom, human safety, the creative ideology, justice, equality, transparency, trust, you know, and we are all transparent here. So the very eight foundations of a creative society. Thank you for being with us today and for these enriching conversations. Namaste and best wishes always. Anya. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much, Dr. Kumar. Thank you for being with us, for sharing your vision, for sharing your experience. And you said today so many deep, inspiring words that really I would like to watch once more of this broadcast because yeah. there are so many things to learn, to learn and take in practice. Yeah. So thank you so much. And I would like to say all viewers. It's very easy to support and join the Creative Society project. Visit our website, alatreunice.com, click join us button, and you can choose how to support the project. You can simply support. You can support and uh, read about the electoral prep platform or to become also an active participant and communicate with people from all over the world because only together, we really can build a world that humanity deserves. Thank you so much. Thank you for this wonderful discussion and hope to see you you soon again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
4: Unprecedented event of present history. Initiative that comes from people around the world. Main project of humanity. People stopped being silent about urgent issues of our society. How it all started. May 2019, International Online Conference, Society, The Last Chance. 140 countries of the world, hundreds of thousands of people online, hundreds of broadcast platforms, translated into seven languages simultaneously. If we all want to live in peace, why do we have a world of violence And destruction it is up to us to build a different world how can we do it December 2020 creative society united we can 180 countries of the world millions of people online thousands of streaming platforms 35 languages simultaneously translated people have voiced today's reality and what they truly desire and it is the creative society all cultures have an image of the ideal world people want to live in a world that prophets talked about the time has come when we can make it real how will we use this chance let's meet march 20 2021 3 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time, international online event of global scale, Creative Society, What the Prophets Dreamed of. This is the day the world will unite to find out the truth, join the entire humanity, and spread the message.